Father, we still believe that you love us, that you care for us, that you've given us promise of your protection, of your grace upon our lives. We receive it now. Bless the remainder of our time together in the truth of your word. May it inspire us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. We're not going to social greet, but you can wave. And this is one time I'll allow finger pointing because we don't mean it. I'm going to avoid my... Where do you want me to stand, Greg? You need to tell me. And then tell me where I need to put the dealy dauber. I'm good. All right. If you weren't here at the beginning, I gave some simple instructions. We're going to follow uh, social distancing because we've been asked to do that by our health officials. So we'll do that. You're sitting in family clusters. I appreciate that. As I mentioned, we'll take this week by week. So look at our Facebook page. Also, if you'll fill out the little contact thing and give us some contact information, you'll get some updates from Dale or from me, something out of the church email to let you know, because we're, we're just going to look at this week by week. Uh, next week, if there's reason for us not to meet, I mentioned check our web page or our Facebook page. I'll uh, do a teaching from my studios and beautiful South Rancho Cordova, California, and post it there for you. Um, the good news is I'm already done with next week. That's pretty neat. Um, so, as I mentioned also, I have the blessing video that we shared last week. It's at the end, and that's our benediction. Uh, at that, any time during that, although I would suggest you stick around for most of it because it's an inspiring song, and look it up. Uh, it's Carrie Job, Cody Carnes, Elevation Worship. Look at the original, it's 12 or 13 minutes. We have some friends that attend that church and they said there wasn't a dry eye in the house when, the, when that happened. And so um, I'm so grateful for a church like that that can inspire us in seasons like this, aren't you? Uh, as I mentioned in our prayer, it's a national day of prayer been called for by our president who was online this morning, by the way, watching uh, church out of Georgia, and uh, that's pretty cool. Here's what I want to say, because you're looking for me to say something, besides good morning. During this season, the church should be more compassionate, more caring, more giving, more loving than ever before. We shouldn't be the ones driven by fear. Now, I will be honest, last Monday... We bought toilet paper. I'm going to confess that we did. We did not buy it because we already had four cases in the house. We bought it because we had one roll. But if our neighbors come to us that have several young children and they say we're low, I'd say I'd be delighted. I'd be delighted. I'm, I'm an adult. I can take care of those things. I, I love showers. I just take several. That was funny right there. The children of Israel were told, 
when God provided supernaturally, they said, take what you need. Don't take the hoard. And when they hoarded, it putrefied. It was filled with maggots. If we believe God is our provider, which I do, then he'll take care of those things. If you really want something funny, and I don't want to make light of this, but I do love what my friend Ted Ulbrick posted on his Facebook page. He's the leader of our organization in Cambodia, nearly 4,500 churches now. Tremendous move of God. He said, Cambodia's answer. He says, go to the hardware store, buy a tea, put it on your water, and then buy the little thing that you use to rinse off your dishes. And he's, he you have to look. It's a little spray nozzle that he put a hook on the wall next to the commode in Cambodia. He said, that's our solution for the toilet paper crisis. I think it's funny. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, the early church lived under intense persecution. You never find them being a people that hoard. They, they give, the Bible says they had all things common. Friends, if you're a part of our church family and you have need, please let us know that's info at therivers.org and say, I, I can't get out. Or, you know, if, if something like that happens, that's what church family is all about. Church family becomes closer than our, our families at many, many times. Now, I'm going to ask one other thing. Uh, two things. I need you to gossip. Because you look around, I, there's people that have contacted me this week and they said, I got a little tickle or I got this. I've told them to stay home. I've told people that are older to stay home. I've told people that have conditions to stay home. People that have uh, uh, compromised immunities for, for whatever reason. I said, please, please, I, I will not be offended that you protect yourself. That's wisdom. That's not fear. That's wisdom. Right? So for all of your family members that you don't see here, you go home and gossip. Tell them to go to info at therivers.org and send in their contact information so that they can be up to date with what we're doing, okay? The second thing I want us to do is I want us to operate in faith as a people and confidence and be missionaries of peace. I, you know, personally, this is, now this is an opinion and this is going to offend some. I wish they would uh, shut down social media and the news for 30 days. I think we'd be amazed at what happened, but that's just me. Don't believe everything you hear. It'll be all right. Good for you. Good for you. My wife and I, she, particularly Jill, is in jobs where she just gets inundated by stuff. And it's just, um, we have to come home and decompress. So, are you ready? If you didn't get the handouts, they're back over there, as are the offering plates. But remember, you can give online if you're afraid to touch your money. I'm going to talk about overcoming fear, worry, and anxiety. If this is not my most polished teaching, I apologize. It started at 2.30 yesterday morning, and I had it to Dale and to Greg by about 6. I feel it's an appropriate topic in the season that we are in.
I hope that you will allow me to remain a little more scripted this morning, not my usual dancing around, not because I can't leave my notes, but I'm on a time frame to get us out of here in about 15 minutes because I'm cognizant that we have children. Is that okay? So here we go. Amidst this crisis, fear, worry, and anxiety can easily take control of our lives. Fear is that negative emotion that's caused by real or perceived threats to our well-being. Anxiety is unease and nervousness about an event, a person, or a problem that we're facing. And worry is mentally dwelling on a difficulty or trouble with a chronic concern. Worry can turn into anxiety. Anxiety can turn into fear. They're all the same emotion. They're just at different levels. But I want to tell you something, friends. The reason people, when they get anxious, they see all these other symptoms and things that happen to them physically and psychologically um, is because God didn't design us to operate in fear. God did not design us to be that way. Anxiety will wear you out and cause you to become depressed. Your emotions can't handle long-term anxiety without devastating consequences. That's a fact. You can look it up. God never uses the spirit of fear in our lives because we weren't designed to function that way. Are you with me? So now I'm going to address the fact that there is, in fact, a pastor that can't see, so he's got to get a wider screen. No, I want to admit that there are good and there are bad fears. Good fear is healthy. Good fear is circumstantial. And by the way, if you're wondering where this is in your notes, this is in the white section after the title before the verse. Okay, all that little spot. Here we are. Good fear is healthy. Good fear is circumstantial. Good fear is protective. Good fear is instructive. And good fear is empowering. And what I mean by that is this. If I see a car bearing down through that pillar right there, heading towards me, I'm hoping that fear, a good fear, ignites my feet to get out of the way. But I'm not going to jump every Sunday from this spot. I'm going to do it in response to a circumstance or a situation, right? You know, I think back one year we were doing a singing Christmas tree. Have you ever seen one of those? Well, we were doing a singing Christmas tree. And we got this brilliant idea. Let's use real cedar limbs and make our Christmas tree fragrant for the church. Brilliant idea. And so some guys from the church came out to my house and I said, you know what, I need some cedar wood. Let's just cut down that cedar tree over there. You can have the branches and I'll cut the wood up later. And normally I would have done it, but I happened to not be feeling that well that day. One of the four days of my life that I didn't feel well. And so they said, okay, they knew what they were doing. One of the guys worked for the forestry. He cut the tree, and it fell 180 degrees the wrong way. They had an instant fear. I saw people flying out of that area by that tree like ants. That's a good fear. Wouldn't you agree? Aren't you glad you get inspired in those moments to get out of the way? But bad fear, first of all, is demonic. It's demonic. That's a powerful statement. I'll stand by it. Bad fear is demonic. It's perpetual. It paralyzes. It confuses. 
it's fatalistic, and it's enslaving. That's that fear cycle that what if, what if, what if, this is what's going on right now. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? As Jill said yesterday, and the worst thing that could happen to us, we die. Amen. Oh, hello, Jesus. We'd actually got to practice what I preach all the time. That my last breath here is my first breath there. My last thought here is my first thought there. My last step here is my first. That, that's a really bad thing. Go ahead and threaten me with eternal life. Yes. <laughs> Here's something you do want to write down. You will recognize God's presence by peace. You recognize, and by the way, I haven't even moved off the opening slide, so you're all good. You recognize God's presence by peace. You recognize Satan's presence by fear. That's a pretty clear identifier. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, we make decisions driven by peace in our home. If we don't both have peace about it, we don't do it. Every decision we've ever made in fear, bad news. The scripture were commanded not to fear, not to be anxious, or not to worry. Let me give you some references in Isaiah 41. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do we believe that? If he's with us, then we're not to fear. In fact, do not fear, or fear not, is the most common command in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Matthew, Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Paul wrote in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. God never commands us to do something if we don't have the ability not to do it. So if he says don't fear, then there is a way for us not to fear. So now I'm on your outlines and I hope I'm on the screen. Luke 22 says, accompanied by his disciples, Jesus left the upper room. And I finally hit the button, and it's big enough so I can actually read it. It's a miracle. That's too big. Accompanied by his disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Read about that. Under high levels of stress, your, your capillaries and arteries and things can actually um, so become distressed that you seep or ooze blood like sweat. It usually means you're going to die, but it comes from distress. At last, he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why was Jesus so fearful before his death? Well, here's what we need to understand. He was and is fully human. I think that's the first fill-in, isn't it? He was and is fully human. He's so human that he said to his father, and when you see Abba in Scripture, it means Daddy. It's a personal up-close. He says, Daddy, isn't there really a better way than this? Hebrews says, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced the same testings we do, yet did not sin. In other words, here's the good news. Jesus understood fear. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says, every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifice for the sins. And he is able to deal gently with 
ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. Jesus had the same things that we have. He got afraid. In Hebrews chapter 2, because, of, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all those who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Because Jesus experienced fear in the garden, he understands our struggle and is able to help us. Number two. Jesus knew everything he was about to endure. Jesus knew the thoughts of people around him. See the references that are mentioned. He knew the plans that they had, the conspiracies. He knew their motives. He knew those who didn't believe in him. But Jesus did not trust him, it says in John 2, because he knew all about people. Number three. Jesus was under full-scale assault by Satan. Assault. Full-scale assault. In Luke chapter 4, we're told of the beginning of Jesus' uh, public ministry. He's out in the wilderness. What happened? He'd just been filled with the Spirit during his baptism. Some of you wonder, what does it mean when it says the heavens were opened and a dove came out? It's not like there was a tear in the sky. It says there that the heavens, the epleronios, in other words, Jesus got a glimpse of the spiritual dominions that occur there. And I'll, that's another teaching for another time when I have more than whatever minutes. He had a spiritual awakening, if you will. Remember, Jesus learned things through the Spirit just like we learn things through the Spirit. And what happened then? He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. Look at Luke 4.13. It says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. That was the first time that Jesus was tempted with fear. It says an opportune time. Here's when the opportune time was in Gethsemane. That was the opportune time. Why would that be opportune? Because Jesus now knows everything that's coming down. Please understand, and I put the reference in 1 Samuel 16. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Fear is a spirit. The spirit that, of fear that assaulted Jesus came from Satan himself. Look at verse 20 or 44. And being in agony, he kept praying fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. Why? Because Jesus knew what was going to happen. What do we fear? What we don't know. Jesus was tempted with fear by what he knew was coming. Can you imagine being able to foresee what the next 24 hours was going to look like? So... Here's the part that you want to get to. I, too, will turn the page. How to overcome fear. Satan attacks us when we're the weakest, and he whispers fearful thoughts into our minds. But listen, God never uses fear to influence or control us. God gives us mercy, grace, and peace so that we can act despite or overcoming 
our fears. In 2 Timothy 1.7, you've heard probably every pastor on Facebook quoting this this week. I don't want to let you down. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So what are the steps? Number one, admit your fear without shame. Admit your fear without shame. It's okay to say, I'm afraid, particularly if you say it to the right person. Jesus admitted he was afraid. And guess who he said it to? Daddy, three times. Three times in Gethsemane, he said to Daddy, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Are you sure there isn't a better way? Now think about this. The Bible talks about Jesus because he's not only the Son of God, he's God the Son. Which means going back in eternity, the Bible refers to the Son of God as the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. In other words, salvation's plan was decided before the earth was created. God wasn't on an emergency thing. Oh my goodness, I created someone and they sinned. What are we going to do? Send Jesus. And it was a two to one vote. Thank you for getting it, dear. That is funny. This has been the plan. But now that he's there and facing it, he has fear. Is he sinning? No, because he's not acting. He's just saying, I'm afraid. It's okay to admit your fear without shame. The Bible says in Hebrews, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we receive his mercy and we find grace to help us when we need it most. I don't know about you, but I come from the get your chin up, a stiff upper lip and just get through it. Don't let anybody know. My daddy died. We got to run a business. Do you have a motion about him being gone? No, not in front of you. And I never addressed it. You have pain? Don't admit it. That's, that's what I grew up with. Just, just put your head down and plow through for the glory of God. And God's saying, it's okay to admit you're afraid. When we admit our fears, we bring them into the light. Remember, fear is a spirit. Who's the spirit? Satan. What is Satan? Darkness. When you take something that's origin is in the darkness and you bring it into the light, what happens to it? It becomes powerless. Those of you online, I hope you're enjoying this. The spirit of fear wants us to stay in darkness because Satan is the prince of darkness. Anything in darkness is under his domain. To act in fear because it's saying, I'm living in the kingdom of the adversary. I do not want to live in the kingdom of the adversary. I don't want to act in any way that benefits the kingdom of the adversary. I want to walk in light. Take fear, bring it into the light, because guess what you'll find? Jesus is full of light. There's an incredibly powerful healing in saying, I'm afraid and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a human being. This is beyond me, and I'm not going to act tough and confident because I don't feel tough and confident. I'm fearful. Jesus understands, and guess what? He'll be merciful about your fears. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
you know what, if you put it on him, you know, it's up to you. Lord, if, if, if something happens to our food supply, what am I going to do? I don't know. I guess I'm going to trust you to provide. And I'll be honest with you, at the O'Connell household, we don't need God to provide for about two months if we just empty out the freezer. That might be some interesting combinations, but that's okay. Number two, submit your fears to God. You know, Jesus feared the known, we fear the unknown. But submit your fears to God. In James 4, 6, it says, He gives grace generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come close to God, and he'll come close to you. Submit your fears to God. This is what you need to do, friends. Determine that your feelings are not your master. God is. You may feel afraid, but you choose not to act on your feelings. When you submit your fear to God, fear no longer tells you what to do. You may feel like running away, but you will not run away unless God tells you to run away. God's word directs your life. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Here's your choice. You can starve the fear monster. Don't feed it. If you want to make that monster bigger, just keep feeding it. The more fear-based decisions you make, the bigger the fear spirit gets, and it takes more and more control over your life. Our feelings and emotions are real. They're just not always right. That's worth writing down. Feelings and emotions are real. They're just not always right. When God created us, he created us a tripartite being that worked together in a unity. He made us spirit, soul, and body. And our soul is tripartite, our mind, emotions, and our will. When man sinned, our spirit man died, and guess who took over? The soul. And so some of us operate in the mind. I'll think through it because I'm intelligent. Who told me? I did. Others of us, we function in our emotions. But when, and as, as believers in Jesus, our spirit man is now alive. We're communicating with Christ. The spirit of God lives within us. Those things still respond. They still give the same reports. The emotions still give the same report. The mind still gives the same report. But now you have a third input. I'm going to run that through the filter of the spirit of God. And the word of God says, and the spirit of God says, and so I choose to act there. Feelings, emotions are real. They're not right. Our greatest regret that things we did, about things that we did, were when we were feeling something real. Did you know lust, greed, hate, self-hate, whatever it is, those feelings were real. They just weren't right. Jesus came to his father and said, Father, this is real. I'm afraid. This is not a good thing. I don't, I don't remember signing up for this. Oh, yeah, I did. Jesus was born and sent for a purpose. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. But he didn't want to do it when he was human. This was real. 
This is real, Daddy. I'm afraid. I'm going to listen to what you tell me to do. So, number three. And some of you are probably suffering heart issue because I'm almost done. And you're looking at your watch going, he's going to pull this off. There's three things I want you to focus on. First of all, focus on God's presence. That's the first line. Focus on God's presence. You see, when we set our minds on who God is, we stop accepting fear as a normal part of our life. In Psalm 23, have you ever heard that one? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, what is the darkest valley? Death. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. Death is the basis of all fear. I've said this before. You laughed then. You may not want to laugh now. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of the sudden stop when I fall. It's the splattage that is more concerning to me than walking on heights. Some of us have fear of spiders. I'm not sure why. I look at my weight and their weight, and I think I have a distinct advantage. But I have seen them motivate people to great heights, which they should be afraid of the heights more than they are the spider. Right? Every fear is based in fear of death. I'm afraid we'll run out of food. No, you're afraid you're going to starve to death. I'm afraid that I'll get sick. No, you're not worried about the sickness. You're worried about dying. And the Bible says that Jesus came to wrestle death away from Satan. And he did. He overcame it. No longer did Satan have the keys to death. So why should I be afraid? Because if every fear I have is based on that ultimate fear of dying, and you know what? Satan doesn't hold the key of that in my life anymore. Why should I be afraid? Or if you want me to be spiritual, whom shall I fear? Psalm 16, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. In safety, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. You know who said that and based his last days of his life on that verse? Jesus. That's what got him through. I know the Lord is always with me. You will not leave my soul among the dead. Or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is what Jesus had his mind focused on during the time of his greatest fear. The second line, now we're on line two, is provision. Focus on God's presence, now his provision. Hebrews says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Five packages of wipes is enough. For God has said, I'll never fail you, I'll never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Philippians 4.19 says this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. 
So we focus on God's presence, his provision, and the last fill in there is his protection. His protection. The two references in numbers there at the bottom of that, do you, do you see where I'm at? Yeah. Is two reports. The first is the report of the ten spies that came back from a land that the children of Israel had been roaming around waiting to get into for 40 years. And ten spies came back with a fear report and said, there's giants, there's this, there's that. They seem to have forgotten, okay, we've had dinner arrive without the, whoever the food people are. Yeah, thank you. We haven't had pizza delivery for 39 years, and it keeps showing up. Oh, my goodness, you can't believe. We go in there, we'll be devoured. Let's see, did we walk through a sea that killed an army? They forgot all that. We shouldn't go. The next reference is two guys that came back. Here's what they said. The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. If you have God's presence, his provision, his protection, you do not need to fear. The last line today, face your fears by faith and watch them crumble. Remember every time Jesus shows up, what's he say? Peace be with you. Face your fears by faith and watch them crumble. Jesus, this morning, I hope and pray and ask that your word become a reality in our hearts, that we can overcome fear and be to our communities a light that represents confidence and hope and assurance and faith and a future. Let us minister to our communities. Let us minister to our neighbors that are fearful. May they sense in us the presence of Jesus. I pray for our dear church family that you will watch over them and keep them safe in the coming days. I pray for their health. I pray for their strength. I pray for their emotional balance. I pray for their ability to act in wisdom. And Lord Jesus, we ask and we unite in asking what we did at the beginning. Heal our land. Put your hand up against this virus and the impact that it has on our communities, on our people. And in Jesus' name, stop it. In Jesus' name, stop. In Jesus' name, stop. Amen.